Dave Nemo Show and Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo, are in Indianapolis for the 2022 National Truck Driving and National Step Van Championships, hosted by the American Trucking Associations. This is a special podcast series highlighting the people and happenings of NTDC 2022. From Indianapolis, here's Jimmy Mack. Hey guys, do a hashtag for me. Hashtag NTDC. That is the National Truck Driving Championships. Our friends at the ATA have brought our friends from Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. We are broadcasting live from the Indiana Convention Center. Jimmy Mack here. My good friend Greg Thompson is on the board making it happen. I'm going to have my friends across the table for me introduce themselves. We'll start with John. John Brownwell from Yellow Freight Systems. I'm Cindy Spinella and I'm John's fiance, wife, whatever you want to call it. Congratulations <laughs> on that. Young man, tell me your name and get that hat out of your face. Raylan. Raylan what? Brownowell. Raylan Brownowell is in the house. And Raylan, of course, is the truck driving champion, correct? The pin master. The pin master. All right. John, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. So tell us who you work for, tell us your journey, and tell us how you got here. So I work for Yellow Freight Systems. I've been there eight years. I recently got into this in 2017. It was my first eligible year for competition in the state. 2018 was my first trip to National Truck Driving Championship in Columbus, Ohio. This is my second trip. It's practice. It's safe driving. It's accident free, which is actually impressive for somebody that goes to New York City five nights a week. It's actually incredibly impressive. We just had a good conversation here in the convention center with a couple of guys from New Jersey uh-huh. who were uh, talking about the exact same condition as you are. So in many ways, a truck driving championship and the rules and kind of uniquely designed for anybody driving into the urban areas of the Northeast because of the unavoidable closeness of corners. Yes. Can you talk, tell me about how you found out about the competitions? They posted a flyer in the driver's room at my home terminal, and I saw it, and I said, this looks like something fun, I'm going to go to this. And that's really kind of the thing, too, because one of the things I've noticed here, guys, is that along with the safety that comes along with it and the kind of promotion of safety that the ATA does with this, this really is about camaraderie and fun. Have you been having a good time since you oh, I've been having a great time, but it's a very stressful environment at the same time. Tell me what you mean when you say stressful. Your anxiety levels through the roof, you're nervous all the time, you're constantly trying to do your best, you're with 49 other drivers who are also the best in the same class, so it's the best competing to be the best out of the best. We had a nice talk with Patty Gillette and we talked about the idea of how people get here and it's 50 states and in some cases is in California and Texas where you have three and four regions that you have to win before you actually get to compete for the state title. Some people have been through three and four competitional phases before they arrive here. We talk about the feeling here as it feels both simultaneously like the first day of Little League and the championship game of Little League as well at the same time, right? It must be nice, by the way, to feel like you're in that kind of company. Like you know, We live in a world where everybody gets a trophy. Yes. But here, everybody has gotten a trophy and deserves that trophy. You're not just competing against people in the first round. These are people who have made a long journey as well, correct? Yes, and I feel bad for California and Texas who have the multi-level competitions like that because Pennsylvania doesn't have it. Pennsylvania doesn't have 33 million people in it either, no. I mean, in all fairness. Let's face it, I mean, Texas and California are entities unto themselves. Can you talk a little bit about how you deal with those nerves and how you're able to kind of transfer what you feel here in these competitions to working on the road? 
The road, I'm by myself a lot, so I have that time to myself to actually calm down and think about it. Here, I don't really have that, so I just have to push everything else out and get in my own zone. Imagine I'm on the road by myself, going somewhere I like to go. I like to go to New York City, so when I get in the truck and run the course, it's just like driving through the city. Can we talk about the idea that people are looking at you, you just don't realize that when you're on the road as much as right. you're here. What is that like to see a crowd like that? I mean, it was packed. When I went in and looked at it, those bleachers were packed. They usually are. Yeah. Task at hand. Mm -hmm. Eyes on the course, not up here. I can't watch like that because that shot down. Oh, that's a bad scene. <laughs> you can't do that on the road either. I had friends of mine tell me that they drive through Arkansas and they drive past the mountains there and it's so gorgeous. It's like we did a whole show about like what not to look at while you're on the road because there's some gorgeous things you see or some hustle and bustle. Can you talk about what it was like to sit in the stands and to watch this kind of play itself out? Oh geez, I can only imagine what he goes through. I'm sitting there a nervous mess for him because I obviously want him to come out on top. I want him to be able to walk home with that trophy and flop it on the terminal manager's desk or up in the relay office be like, here, Look what I did. <laughs> what was it like to watch him win in Pennsylvania? Oh my gosh, that was great. There, we're much closer to the course than what we are here. So it's like I was able to see everything more clearly than up here. But it's like, oh, he got that one. He hit that one. Oh, look, he got that one. And it's like, we're just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting for hours for the final results. Have you ever been to anything like this before? I mean, I know you guys have been to this event before, but the first time you came to this event, both state level and now this, I mean, what was it like to see this? Were you kind of like surprised by the stakes and the attendance and all that? Yes and no. I mean, initially I was like, oh God, what do I do? I don't know what I'm doing because you're the newbie. You don't know what's going on. You don't know what to expect. And then now it's kind of like, oh, this isn't my first rodeo. It's like having kids. You have one, you have another one. It's like, oh, I got this. <laughs> Let me ask you in regards to the sense of pride you have. Does it take a while to sink in? What does that feel like? That was an indescribable feeling, honestly, because he's sitting there. He's like, I don't think I got this. I don't think I got this. I'm like, stop. You did fine. You got this. Because the whole thing is in three parts. You got the written test, you got your pre-trip, and then you got the driving portion. It's like we knew after the driving portion, they had the live scores for our state. We knew for that portion, he was great. He tied on the driving portion. And then, like I said before, we're sitting there for hours. As soon as they announced the second place winner, I just looked at it and I'm like, I told you, you got this. We were talking about the pageants <laughs> earlier and the idea when the second place winner gets announced that the look <laughs> on the reaction of the person who knows they've won is like one of the most remarkable things. And it must have been just that moment before they actually say you, what it must be like to know that your name is coming next. Were you able to process and put it together at all? Yeah, the best part. I thought he was going to fall out of his chair. <laughs> <laughs> they announced second place, they went ahead to move on to first place and once second place was over, you were in a three table line with safety managers and other people from my company and people start standing up and clapping before they even get to it because they know too. They know, yeah. And then to hear that from Yellow Freight Systems, my name behind it, then the excitement comes. Let's talk about the kind of combination of this and the actual work. Do you find yourself now when you're actually out there doing your job of every once in a while going like, oh, how close can I come to this roadside right here? <laughs> we had a great conversation where there are people who get so serious about this, they make time in their weekend to practice for this because they know that if they don't, they can't make the metal shift from one roll to the other. I start working on little things like that, curb lines, lights, just to make sure that I'm still on top of my game whenever I do go to the state, or if I make it this far. 
a written test, I find it really difficult to sit down and read that book. After so long, everything just blends together and it's just one big blur. The pre-trip, I like having it timed like it is. It's 10 minutes for me. And that 10 minutes, I carry that every day of work. Every day I go to work, I carry that. I got the best tip about the book, by the way, from Rick Gobble, who used to be an FMCSA inspector. He says, you ain't got to know the rules. You got to know where it is in the book. <laughs> and it's one of those things, too, where the other difficulty we talked about earlier is that the rules change. You can never ace the test and be done with it because the test changed because the rules on the test are different. How often, how do you, as a professional driver, keep up with the regulation changes? What kind of approaches do you use and all that? So I'm actually a safety trainer and a driver trainer at my home terminal so so you're on top of I it. have to be on top of it because if I don't have the ability to explain it to a new driver or even my experienced drivers I'm not effective in my position anymore a strange question as a trainer because I do a segment called education station on my show where we talk to trainers and we talk to people who do with methodologies do you practice what you're going to say I mean do you actually when you look at the rule book do you figure out ways of kind of explaining this to people do you change the way you explain it to different people how do you maintain a culture of safety you have to be able to read someone and how they're going to understand it. Do I have to talk louder? Do I have to talk quieter? Do I have to be nice, somebody's friend? Or do I have to take the approach, you don't know everything, I'm not here to be your friend, you're right. going to learn. A lot more with the younger generations coming in. Myself included, I'm young. Right. I'm only 32. Right. To be as young as I am, to explain to somebody that's in their 50s, that just got their CD out. It's a different approach, isn't it? Yes. And yet what's so strange about that is that often the younger people are more open to info. They have more questions, but they're also open to more information where the older people might not ask questions, but they also sometimes think they know more, right? I feel like it's reversed. Oh, okay. The older guys will ask me questions, and the younger guys know everything as soon as they got the plastic in their hand and hit the road. They know better than you. You can't teach them anything. We've learned everything there is to learn. How do you handle them? <laughs> it's okay to call somebody an idiot every once in a while. We're a union employer, so we do have protections that if I would let the word idiot or moron slip. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> nobody's going to do it. And nobody can call their mom and dad to come to school and right. call out the principal and then have you fired. Because it's not just the safety of the driver or their fellow driver, it's the safety of just thousands of people they encounter on the road on a daily basis. Thousands. We can go even higher than that in some occasions, right? Yeah. Especially when you're driving in New York. That's a big deal. How long have you been training? Four years. Oh, that's nice. So you've been driving eight, right? Seven. So I got seven. my license in 2015. So you got three years under your belt, correct? You got a nice three years under your belt, which I think is about the right place because two is now the minimum despite people's attempts at exemptions. So when you come here, do you find time to look at the techniques and safety approaches of other people? Do you feel this is a place where best practices get exchanged and happen? Absolutely. I mean, we have nothing else to do but sit and talk to each other all day long. So we're constantly swapping, hey, I want to approach it this way. Some people might approach it a different way. And at the end of the day, you sit down and go, okay, your way worked. I might try that next time. Let me ask you this too. Have you ever watched anybody out there on these courses at this championship and gone, oh my God, this guy is good. This gal is good. This person has really got it going on. When you come find me tomorrow when I'm standing out here watching everybody go, I'll be standing there going, wow, look at that. I couldn't even get that one. <laughs> so it'll be a good time. It makes it easier too, though, to kind of accept other people's greatness knowing that you've already kind of won. I mean, I hate to put it that way, but the idea when you win your state championship, you want to win the whole thing. Of course you do. But you don't feel bad if you lose to the guy who won all three regions in Texas. I mean, you kind of go, oh, you, know, right. you know what I'm saying? It's like, or oh, the guy that comes out of nowhere, works for a two-truck company, ends up winning the whole thing. You don't feel as bad 
about that. You feel like you're in the midst of greatness, right? I'm just happy to be here. You've been wanting to say that all your life, haven't you? Yeah. The competition is a lot like a NASCAR race. You ever watch the interview at the end of the NASCAR race? It's a lot like what it is here. Oh, yeah, the truck ran good. The course is nice. That's kind of how I look at it at the end of the it's day. It's a game of inches, too. I mean, you're talking about literally seconds and inches separate the men and women who are actually in the midst of doing all this stuff. Yes. All right, we're in Indianapolis. I know you didn't get to go see the Def Leppard show last night. You know the Def Leppard, <laughs> Motley Crue, and Guess Joan Jett all played last night. It's like, yeah. this is the most metal weekend ever in Indianapolis. What are you guys gonna do for fun while you're here? I think we're gonna go to the zoo at some point. Tomorrow, probably. Yeah. Spoke with a nice young lady over at the visitor center who apparently worked the zoo, and she was telling us all the insider stuff that most people don't know. Yeah. My company's CEO is here, so we'll be going out to dinner tomorrow night. All the drivers from Yellow with the top-end executives. I'm going to get a yellow shirt so I can join you guys. Maybe you won't recognize. St. Elmo Steakhouse sounds pretty good. I had a good steak the other night. Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, and best of luck, and we hope we'll be back next year, too. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you, guys. Okay, guys, Pod Wheels powered by Radio Nemo. We are here at the NTDC over here in Indianapolis, and we will be talking to other people over the course of the rest of the day. Thank you. Thanks for spending part of your day with Pod Wheels powered by Radio Nemo's coverage of NTDC 2022. Check back with us right here for more of our podcast features as we cover this championship event.